Jesus says here in verse 47, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. The religious leaders were were patting themselves on the back because they had built monuments to the prophets of old. Imagine the irony. They had rejected John the Baptist. Now they are planning to do with this prophet, the greatest prophet, the God-man. They're planning to do what? Kill him. If you want to be a spiritual hypocrite, the Gospel of Luke has a passage just for you. Now, I know that's not what you want to be, and today's message will actually help you avoid it. When Jesus accepted an invitation to dine with the religious leaders, they probably didn't expect the confrontation and criticism they were about to receive. In a series of Principles for Hypocrites, you'll see how hypocrisy can be tempting for every Christian. You'll also learn that only accountability and self-reflection can keep you transparent and honest before God and others. Here's Stephen Davey. I have read a rather interesting history behind a popular phrase that originated in China, still used to this day, uh, centuries Later, the account revolves around the orchestra that performed year-round for the emperor. It was a massive orchestra with several hundred participants. It played at all of the state functions. It played at the festival seasons. It even would play in private concerts before the emperor and his family. It was uh, an incredible honor to be talented enough to be part of it. And it would be a lifetime career, came with a generous salary and benefits and and great esteem within the community. But one particular member of this orchestra was an imposter. With just a a few lessons, without much music training at all, he'd, he'd use some of his political connections to land a seat in the flute section of the orchestra. Whenever the orchestra would practice or perform, he simply held the flute up to his lips and pretended to play. But suspicions began to grow, as you can imagine. Finally, one day, the plan was hatched. The emperor announced that each member would come to his imperial palace and perform a solo piece in front of him. So the imposter who'd faked his way through this Knew in a matter of days he'd be discovered, his family shamed, and more than likely he would be imprisoned, if not executed. The day arrived for his solo, he feigned illness. The court uh, physician was dispatched, who found that he wasn't sick at all, and ordered him to keep his appointment. But when the hour to perform drew near, he took his own life rather than be exposed for his hypocrisy. And out of this event came the phrase, the way we say it, he refused to face the music. 
We use that phrase to this day to refer to someone who doesn't want to handle or, or can't handle the exposure of hypocrisy, doesn't want accountability. They, they don't want to face the music. That is the reality of their lives being a facade. Without realizing it, there is this a dining room that is filled with religious leaders who are about to be called out by the Lord to essentially face the music. It's a very personal encounter. The Lord is going to expose that they have been imitating genuine spirituality. They are hypocrites of the highest order. The, the encounter takes place in the gospel by Luke between the religious leaders. We're at chapter 11, again, where your Bibles naturally fall open. We're going to finish the chapter today and cover this passage because it is so tied together. Before we dive in, though, and, and watch as the Lord deals with them, I don't want us to look at this scene and say, well, there they go again, you know, those hypocrites. Look at them now. Look what they're pulling off now. Oh, my. No, I want us to look at this as if we're looking at the mirror of the word And I want us to say, would you look at us? Look at us. This is us. Now, this encounter is a classic lesson on the subject of hypocrisy. It's going to be easily understood. And and hypocrisy is so easily mastered by Christians, old and young alike. If you'd like to get better at it, Luke 11 is a guideline. In fact, I'm going to entitle this sermon, How to Become a Better Hypocrite. Six ways to becoming a better hypocrite. You look like you're afraid to write anything down. Okay, all right. Here's the first one. Focus on external appearances rather than internal attitudes. Now, let's go to verse 37. While Jesus was speaking... A Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Now, the Jewish world at this time had two meals a day. I'd do myself so much better if I followed that example. A mid-morning meal and a mid-afternoon meal. Luke's vocabulary indicates this is the mid-morning meal, which means washing the hands had nothing to do with the accumulation of a day's worth of, of, of dirt. This is, a, this is a, a, a ritual here. Uh, this is related to that little station uh, in the home where there would be a stone jar where purified water would be drawn out to ceremonially cleanse the hands. Uh, the Pharisees had been developing this little ritual for about 500 years. It, it wasn't scrubbing anything. It wasn't getting dirt out from underneath your fingernails. It was, it was a ritual, a ceremonial cleansing. But here it's as if Jesus, you know, he just, he just walks past the station, sits down, you know, grabs a piece of toast and asks for butter. By the way, keep in mind at this stage in Jesus' ministry, the religious leaders are already planning to kill him. So... The, 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 the guys that are gathered here, uh, this is a trap. 
Jesus knew it. And by the way, he accepts the invitation to brunch, not because he's hungry, but because he wants to expose hypocrisy and teach us along the way how to detect it, how dangerous it can become in our own lives. Now verse 38 again. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, cleanse the outside of the cup uh, and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you fools. The guy passing the butter dish probably fainted and dropped it. Everybody freezes. Verse 40, did not he who made the outside make the inside? Give his alms, those things that are within. Whatever you're going to do that's right or forgot, do it from the inside out. Behold, everything that would be clean for you. Jesus is more than likely pointing to the mugs and the plates on the table and saying, can you imagine anybody, and you certainly didn't, but can you imagine somebody just polishing the outside until it's, you know, squeaky clean, not caring about what's on the inside. That would be like you forgetting your coffee mug in the car over the weekend. It's just sort of baked out there. Finally, you bring it inside and you, you scrub the outside of it squeaky clean. Uh, can you imagine pouring a cup of coffee on the inside where you've got that old coffee and cream just sort of coagulated in there? Things are beginning to grow in there. There are things looking up at you when you look inside. You don't do that unless you're in college, as, as I used to do. <laughs> you didn't care. Hey, an empty cup. You notice in verse 39 that the outside looks great, the inside's greed. The inside is wickedness. Doesn't matter as long as you polish your image. If you want to be clean, you start on the inside. At this point, down where greed and wickedness grow. To try to clean up your life, you don't start with your image. In fact, Warren Wearsby wonderfully illustrated this verse by saying that you cannot clean up your language by brushing your teeth. It starts with the heart. If you want to become a better hypocrite, then make sure you focus more on external appearances than internal attitudes. Secondly, applaud yourself for small successes while at the same time turning a blind eye on greater failures. Now that Jesus has launched into this response, he just, he just keeps going. He's going to go for verses here. I imagine everybody's fork is kind of frozen in midair, verse 42. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Jesus says, well, it's good that you've been careful to give. He's not even getting on to them for, for their precision in tithing regulations that had all grown up around the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law never commanded the tithing of herbs, kitchen spices, mint leaves. 
But these guys are, you know, they're so careful to check off every box. So imagine them counting out the little mint leaves and making sure every one out of 10 goes to the temple. They're counting, you know, one out of 10 dill seeds, little things you could hardly see. We're going to make sure we give that away. What about the greater things? Like justice, doing the right thing, or loving God. If you'd like to become better at the skill of hypocrisy, number three, learn to value public commendation more than personal character. Jesus says here in verse 43, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Go to the marketplace. They love to go to the marketplace. For us, I would mean going to the mall. I can't imagine loving that, but they'd go out there and somebody comes along, recognizes you. Oh, man, that Bible study you led was was wonderful, or you're you're impacting my child, or you stand out at work. I want to shake your hand. Nothing wrong with having that kind of testimony, but you walk away thinking, man, I'm glad I came to the mall. When you come into the synagogue, he references that here. You're ushered to the best seats in the house. Now, in those days, the coveted seats were in the front People who were truly spiritual sat in the front row. And you already knew that, didn't you? Yes, you did. Jesus calls them out here. He says in verse 44, Woe to you, you're like unmarked graves. People walk over them without knowing it. Can't help but think of the simple fact that a hypocrite will never help you become holy in your walk with God. They'll never help you walk with Christ. They're only going to corrupt you. If you have a close friend you're allowing to influence your life and you know good and well that they are a religious hypocrite, the Bible has the strongest language reserved for them. The Apostle Paul tells uh, the church that if a so-called brother is immoral, don't even eat with him. If they're not a believer, eat with them. Give them the gospel. Avoid the influence. They'll only corrupt you, defile you, pull you away. What you need to do is hang around people who, who understand that how much they need the Lord, how much they need to confess their sin, how, how, how easily they are tempted, how much they need to depend on the grace of God. There's your best friend. Be careful of those who are more interested in public commendation than personal character. Number four, be quick to teach others to do things you refuse to practice yourself. That's another way to hone the skill, the art of hypocrisy. Be quick to teach others to do things you refuse to practice yourself. Verse 45. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Well, woe to you lawyers also. Sorry I left you out. Feel a little lonely there. Well, it's time for you to come in here. Let me 
have you faced the music as well? The lawyer's probably thinking, why did I raise my hand to begin with? Understand these lawyers were the scribes. These were the attorneys of Mosaic law and all the traditions that had grown up around it. Verse 46 again, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear. He's referring to all those prohibitions. They prided themselves that there was at least one prohibition a day. Hundreds more. Ritual. Tradition. The, the, the checklist they had made was unbearable. You could never check all the boxes. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. It was unlawful for the Jewish people to work on the Sabbath. This was a unique sign of the nation Israel. And that, of course, involved carrying a burden. So the lawyers had to get together and figure out what constituted a burden. They determined during the days of Christ, back before his day, that it was considered unlawful for someone to carry a burden in his right hand or in his left hand or on his shoulder. I'm actually quoting. But he who carries anything on the back of his hand or with his foot or with his mouth or with his hair is not a burden. For some of us, hair has never been much of a burden, but you get the point. Here's the definition according to these rules. You can can smoke a pipe. You're holding that burden in your mouth. You can wear a hat. That burden's on your hair. That's all right. You can wear sandals. You're not carrying a burden because they're on your feet. What about eating? Uh, I mean, certainly to pick up a, a cup, would be a burden, a fork full of food. So again, the lawyers put their heads together, came up with a rule that it would be lawful to pick up water if it was no more uh, in weight than one and a half eggshells. You got to keep those eggshells handy to measure in case you're not quite sure. You could lift a spoon to your mouth as long as it didn't weigh more than one fig. Now who could ever remember all the rules? Who who could keep them all? Nobody. But the Lord really isn't driving to that point. He's defining hypocrisy because you'll notice what he says again in verse 46. He says here, For you, you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves... Do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. You find loopholes. You quickly lay it on them, but you don't do them. You don't practice what you preach. Can you understand then the stunning, glorious promise of Jesus who said to the multitude, if you're weary, you're heavy laden, come to me. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's because he carried it. He forgave it. 
past, present, and future, your sin having been dealt with. Now we want to walk with Christ and confess regularly, not so that he will accept us, but because he has in Christ. Christianity then is not a burden of rules you'll never remember and never be able to perfectly keep. It's a relationship with your Savior who died for you to set you free. The family of God is is the only family where you become a member by admitting you're a sinner. Coming to Christ for forgiveness and grace. But if you'd rather become a better hypocrite, well, here's another step to take. Number five, admire people who cannot challenge how you think or live. Avoid them. Jesus says here in verse 47, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. The religious leaders were, were patting themselves on the back because they had built monuments to the prophets of old. We're not like our fathers. Oh, imagine the irony. They had rejected uh, uh, John the Baptist. Now they are planning to do with this prophet, the greatest prophet, the God-man. They're planning to do what? Kill him. They speak in glowing terms of the old prophets. Yeah, i got to tell you, the only prophets they admired were dead ones. Out of sight ones. Out of mind ones. The temptation is for us to this day, as J.C. Ryle once commented in his notes on this text, he said it is so much easier for us to admire dead Christians then imitate living ones who can confront us and challenge us. Well, because the Pharisees and scribes had refused to listen to the testimony of history, to their own uh, hearts, their own personal rejection, they now become false prophets themselves. They're actually hindering people from discovering the truth of the gospel. Notice how Jesus says as much here in verse 52. He says, woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. In other words, you turned turned salvation into a riddle. You turned the law of Moses into a puzzle. Nobody can put it together. You You are an obstacle to me. Not a help. See, that's a question the hypocrite will never ask himself or herself to this day. Is my life, is my lifestyle, is my testimony a stumbling block to the world or is it a stepping stone? Does the way I live invite people to come and find freedom in Christ? Or do I just sort of cloud it up? So that when they, sh- when they see a, you show up at work or at school, their thoughts are, yeah, they, they went to church on Sunday, but we know. In fact, I'm confused 
about what Christianity must be by watching that person. Knowledge here. He says, you've taken away the key of knowledge. In this context is an understanding of the knowledge of Jesus, who he was, and his kingdom invitation. And Jesus says, you know, you leaders should have been putting out the welcome mat, and instead you've shut the door and, and you've hidden away the key. It's a fearful accusation. If you don't care and you don't mind hindering people from finding the truth of the gospel, there's one more step you can take. Number six, whenever you're exposed to convicting truth, don't repent. Resist. We're told here in verse 53, and as he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. In other words, it's the same old, same old. They they didn't change uh, an inch. They're still going to try to trip him up. They're, They're... They're infuriated with him right now. Bible scholars, some that I've read, believe that at this point, Jesus gets up and walks out. And they follow after him, incensed. How, how dare he confront them? How, how, how dare this unlettered carpenter challenge them, attack their schools of thought, demean their revered rabbis, their, their teachings? their traditions. Who did he think he was? I'll tell you who he was. He was the emperor who had called them in to face the music. And they did everything but listen and repent. How easy it is to respond to convicting truth by resisting instead of repenting. How easy it is to admire people who can't challenge us on how we think or live. How easy it is to quickly tell others to do things we don't do ourselves. How easy it is to value public commendation more than personal character. To applaud ourselves for those little successes. Turn a blind eye to greater failures. How easy it is to focus on external appearances rather than internal attitudes. You can see how after studying this passage, I knew this was for me. How about you? This is Wisdom for the Heart with Stephen Davey, and he called this message, How to Become a Better Hypocrite. I hope it blessed you as you listened. Stephen's passion as a Bible teacher is to help you know what the Bible says, understand what it means, and apply it to your life. In addition to this daily program, Stephen has a second program called The Wisdom Journey. When you join Stephen on the Wisdom Journey, you'll travel through the entire Bible, all 66 books, with a new lesson each weekday. 
I hope you continue listening to this program, Wisdom for the Heart and the Wisdom Journey. Thanks for listening today. I'm Scott Wiley, and I invite you to join us again next time.